about 40% of the food that we um, grow goes to landfill. And so that's that's food that we're just kind of grow, growing, putting 21% of the nation's uh, annual water usage, 10% of the nation's um, annual energy usage goes into food that we grow just to transport and then throw into the trash. So welcome back, podcast. Um, we are here today with, as always, another very special guest. Uh, this week's guest is Natasha Dyer. Welcome, Natasha. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, so Natasha is the Senior Recycling Program Coordinator with the Mayor, City of Atlanta Mayor's Office of Resilience. Um, so real quick, some people may not know what resilience is. What does that mean? Sure. Well, I think of uh, resilience as sustainability 2.0. Resilience is actually looking at how systems will actually thrive and get back into... Like a stasis? A or? stasis once we actually do start to have some climate effects because it is estimated that we're, we're not going to get out of this. So I guess we are at a point of no return when it comes to climate change. And so resilience is now looking at it as though we're not just trying to sustain, we've actually got to figure out ways to get back to stasis and then actually thrive once some of this stuff goes wrong. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so that ties in like a lot with what uh, National Association of Realtors is doing in this space. Uh, we still are calling it sustainability. So uh, at, at National Association of Realtors, there's several groups, but one particular that I'm with is the SAG or the Sustainability Advisory Group. And we are advising um, other committees within NAR as well as leadership on how um, sustainability relates to real estate. And really what fast-tracked it with NAR is was all the catastrophes and natural weather events that happened in 2017. So, you know, it's how does this weather impact our cities and our communities and how do we move forward and deal with kind of the new reality. Right. So um, I, as I do with all of my guests, I always like to share um, your personal story of what led you to work in this field. You know, what was your calling? And of course, you know, you're not from Atlanta originally. Um, what led you here to Atlanta in the sure. field? So I actually worked in garment manufacturing for about 12 years. I was a production fashion designer or a technical designer. Oh, wow. And so I spent my, my days actually drawing garments and kind of breaking them apart and telling them, telling people how they could get them produced in mass quantities in China. So I worked with pattern makers and sample makers for, for years, right? And so basically when the um, housing crisis happened in 2008, I don't know how that flowed over to all kinds of industries, but my industry was affected as well. And I started to lose my job like every five to seven months. And all I knew was like, there has to be something more in me. What else do I care about? Because I knew I was going to go back to school because <laughs> it just didn't work. I just was like... I'm ready for a career change. And so I always knew I was very concerned with climate change and I just didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew I wanted to be part of the elbow grease to make mm -hmm. systems change. I knew I didn't want to just be like, you know, cause I'm a graphics designer really by trade meaning cause I worked in fashion and I knew that meant I didn't want to be just like someone who came with messaging or worked on websites. I wanted to figure out how to create systems change. And so, um, I found, uh, a green, a green careers summit, um, and I thought I was going to kind of go into lead. I thought I was going to be like a green buildings yeah. person. 
But at the summit, someone showed me that President Obama had a, a grant he was giving uh, working uh, professionals if they wanted to go back to school, like you could go to, into this recycling course at the local college. And so it was this four course certificate program. And as soon as I found out that organics in the landfill was a third cause of methane, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this is my new path. And so I charged down this path and I created this kind of niche passion. And so I knew I was going to go back to school and get my master's. And I was always had my eyes focused on government. I always knew I wanted to work in government. And that's why, that's why I pursued a master's really, because I thought I would need another degree. And so that's how I've come here. I, I actually, um, do you want to know how I came to Atlanta too? Or? Yes, I would love to. <laughs> okay. So, um, it was really just, um, I think a lot of things were happening, ending and starting at the same time. So right, at, right after um, getting my master's in urban, I, I got a master's in urban sustainability with a focus on climate change mitigation. And I did all my thesis and all my capstone. So when was this? Like timeline, yeah. where were we? Because I'm sure. always interested to see, you know, where these discussions were going on and at what time. Right. So this was about 2012. I decided to go back to school and um, get this urban sustainability degree. And um, I, it was all focused on climate change or climate justice. That's the work is always social justice, that whole degree. And I, I looked at more like systems and kind of um, policy is mm -hmm. what I wanted to work on. And so um, everything I did, though, like I said, as soon as I found out about organics in this recycling class, I was like, that's my that's my my calling. And so I graduated with that degree in 2015. And then by 2017, I was um, or 2016, so like a year and a half later, I was in the field and um, just wanting a change. I was getting out of a relationship at the time. I was um, just got my master's and I was like, make this jump. I've been coming to Atlanta for like 12 years, 13 years. Oh, wow. Every okay. Year. So you were familiar yeah. with us. Yeah. And I was like, I've always say I want to live here. So I was like, make a jump. And I just can have a relationship. Like, just, yes. just change it but all. You always do like multiple <laughs> things at once. You know, it's like you buy a house and you might have a baby at the same time and get married. Like you just, you get it all done at once and then it's good afterwards. Okay, right. right? <laughs> That sounds good. Yeah. No, I, I just mentioned it because, like, for example, when my husband and I, we like we got married, bought a house, and adopted it all at right. the same time. And I have a lot of clients that usually, uh, when they're buying or selling a home, they're also going through some other big life change. Right. So it's sort of like, and it's usually a part of the conversation right. at some point of like, how are we going to manage this? And it's like, you're doing what everybody does. Right. You're, you're, you know, there's several big life changes that happen at once. It's kind of a stressful, fearful time, right. but yeah. you do it and you come out on the other side and life is so much easier yeah. after those two or three or some, maybe four big life right. events big happen jumps. at once. Yeah. Right. So awesome. Yeah. So, and when, so you came into Atlanta when? I've been here for three years, January. And have you always been working for the city of Atlanta? Yes. I literally awesome. called them. I started like, um, uh, I just basically just kind of started trolling them. I told them that they should hire me. And they I, did. Love it. I love it. It's sort of like a positive affirmation, <laughs> yeah, right? They did. And I moved. So, who, well, so who did you contact? Like when you were looking at, okay, I want to be in Atlanta. I want to work in this, this, uh, for the city. Um, did you go on LinkedIn? How did you find who you connect, you I'm contacted? Sure. I know that I saw that they were posting like a fellow position with Mario. Mario was just coming on and they said, that's our urban ag director for, for now. <laughs> and, um, he needed a fellow and I already knew that I was very passionate about composting and urban ag, or excuse me, composting and food waste. Mm -hmm. So I knew that could tie into urban ag, but I wasn't really, that wasn't really who I was. But, um, so I submitted for that and then I had, I think I, I, it started like, um, 
hitting up yo not funny like yes. it's like now i know her <laughs> like there's someone named yo and and so um and somehow my email went to the sustainability email and she replied back to me like i don't know four months later she's like oh i never saw this because it's not it's just a, a, a catch-all somewhere a catch-all somewhere and i was telling her how i also worked in waste and she was like you know what we have we'll, we'll have an internship coming up soon um, you should interview for that. But then she said, possibly a job, maybe three to four months after that. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to apply for this, uh, this internship. I'm going to get it. And I'm going to come here and drive Uber. That's how bad I wanted yeah. this life change. Well, you, you, right. you did the hustle, if you will. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't always necessarily a comfortable position, yeah. but you're like, you were dedicated yeah. and you saw a way to do it and you did it. Yeah. But then, so I, the same day I interviewed for the internship, um, the job dropped. And I, I happened to see it posted. And so I applied oh, wow. for the job and I got the job. Oh. And s- Stuff happens, right? Yeah. Whether you call it God yeah. or just the universe, like right. stuff lines up when you put yourself yeah. out there. I've so. got here in two months. I, I call it the only time I made the universe move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you and I have had some really good conversations with, you know, the ambassadors program and whatnot. Like, that, I love that story. Like, yeah. and that's why I... I thought about you not only to talk about waste diversion, but I was kind of curious what your story was coming from California here. I knew there had to be something, something. to make you leave California, <laughs> right, right. you know? So, so that's awesome. You know, you dig a little bit and you know, there's a great story. Okay. So, um, real quick. So you were, what part of California were you in? Los Angeles. Oh, I'm yeah. not as familiar with Southern California as okay. I am Northern. I've spent a lot of time in Northern California as a kid. We had some family friends that moved, they were from there and then they moved back. So we spent a lot of time up there in the summers, and then I've been there for work multiple times right. um, when I was in marine biology before real estate. Um, there's a, a lot of aquariums in the area, as well as the Marine Mammal Center in Sausalito, just across the Golden Gate Bridge from yeah. San Francisco. So I've done a lot of work there. Um, so, and I have, I have some connections in real estate, like in Oakland, that do a lot of work, especially uh, increasing like black home ownership. So, um, I'm not as familiar with Southern I'll California, but I did spend uh, about 10 days this past uh, October down there for okay. several conferences. So I we did there. LA probably, and Palm Springs. We, we probably, probably did. We probably each other. <laughs> yes. I mean, be- beautiful place. Um, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, I might, I might end up in Palm Springs at some point, okay. which is probably so stereotypical. <laughs> <weather>. but <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about, so you got, you, you, took a, a, a leap, yeah. you did all the right things, you made the connections, you worked hard, and it paid off for you. So that was 2017 at that 2016. point? Well, yeah, I got here January 2017. Okay. Well, yeah. he moved fast then. So so was the sustain... Because here's where I'm going with this. So the Sustainability Advi- uh, Ambassadors Program started in spring of 2018. Yes. Obviously, I was a member of that class. Yeah. So was that idea already kind of happening when you came in in 2017 or is that an idea that you started no so exactly how that program came about was as this office of sustainability was getting ready to become the office of resilience every member and the team actually was pulled out of their silos and had to work on different like um oh, i love that pulling people out of their silos yeah. that's when you get stuff done yeah absolutely so we we had to work on different parts of the strategy that we were compiling to submit saying this is what the city's going to work on and so what resilience is also is is the city saying we know that the city has these stresses whether that's um um traffic or or affordable housing or we know the city has these stressors, like the way the 85 freeway collapsed. Yes. So all it is is us trying to compile things that the city's going through. And so I was tasked with working on the fact that uh, Atlanta has 
the biggest um, income inequality gap. Yes. Things that people don't know sometimes right. are one of the largest energy burdens, right? right? Exactly. And so they I, they charged me with, or our group, our working group, with trying to figure out how to solve that in, in K through 12 populations. And so the Sustainability Ambassador Program is what I came up with, trying to get a way to get kids to come in to figure out new, I guess, professions. Mm-hmm. Because if we all know that sustainability is on the rise, I think it's, it, it can... Number one, it can be put into any industry. Yes. And then I think a lot of CEOs right now want it to be inside of their inside of their industry, whether it saves them money or, or it's just a good look, you know. And so all it was, I, I literally created it for, for high school kids. But it hasn't <laughs> ended up that way. No, not at all. So you did yeah. do one session. Yeah. I think it was the second, the second session. session was your summer session, and that was for high school, high school age to, kids? To, um, high school. So like... 17 to like entering college because I knew I, I couldn't I couldn't like chart them all get them all around town so I needed yeah. them to be at least kind of 18 ish because we go on a couple field trips and stuff True. so yeah but it well that brings up a really good point too so like you know in business in in personal you know like you pursuing a job or anything that you know I've done and other people have done and you accomplish it at the end um, you know you you started with an idea for this but it actually didn't end up this exactly that right. so you've really made it more of a community and adult program um my program the first year was it was interesting because it was like a lot of who's who right very well connected with usgbc and south face and all of these groups um that really came together and now like i constantly run into those other people when we're doing like advocacy projects and it's not even like sustainability like sophia bork does a lot with the hispanic community and so i i overlap with her a fair amount there um so it's it's just created like these great relationships right. but w- at what point i guess or what happened or did you see in the program where you're like mm, maybe this isn't so much a k-12 issue as it is maybe a wider community slash maybe adult uh program and actually it's just bandwidth it's just that you guys are easier to deal with <laughs> <laughs> oh as a yeah. parent of teenagers i can agree <laughs> yeah and, and really what happened is the the one time i did the summer program i actually thought i would do it every summer but it just became a program where like because we only had this amount of time with them i had to do two classes a week it was just a, a heavier lift and it's just me and so like that's really all it is i really still wish it was a k-12 through program but when you create this this program that has been taken over by adults i just tell y'all where to go and you're there yes. <laughs> you know well, and you seem to because then really... i had, to have them sign releases and get on a bus you, you see what i'm saying yes. just, it was a heavier lift but i really wish i could i wish i wish we could make a k-12 through program well yeah. and it's, it's interesting too so I, I think some of the other things is um you and i had a talk last year yeah. you're you were turning it more into like almost a leadership program yes and ha- have you a, a kind of adopted that title yet or is that still um is it still just sustainability ambassadors it's definitely a leadership program should i change the title a little bit maybe i don't know yeah. maybe and, you know because <laughs> yeah. leadership programs are also kind of like a buzzword at the moment yeah i you think know? so yeah but it's definitely a leadership program now because the last the very last class or cohort was the one that was mandated with producing a capstone of sorts because as well, bring you bring that up i was so we we had i don't know we didn't have capstone but we all each had in in my first group um you had to kind of do something to spread awareness at your right. organization okay. right i was actually going to ask you does this podcast count <laughs> <laughs> exactly overachiever more points Sorry. <laughs> yes I, second project two so, pins. <laughs> exactly i need another one um so tell me about this capstone project sure and so and now that i'm sitting here with you i'm like oh yeah you were that one ach- achieving um sustainability ambassador because the, the truth is like that 
each class, it was either you had to do a project or do some volunteer hours, but I rarely got those submitted. Oh, <laughs> and really? so, yeah, but you, you did. Yeah. So you're one of my, you're my star, <laughs> star people. I don't even, can't even call you a people. Star per- participant. <laughs> but, um, really. And so that's why the capstone has been mandated and just put onto the very last cohort for the first time. Cause like no one was ever submitting any kind of volunteer hours or capstone hours, but everyone wanted to be a part of the program. So that's what it is. Um, um, now there will be a way that they can vote on each. Uh, so energy, water, uh, recycling, or I always forget the other one, urban <laughs> ag or some urban ag. Um, they can vote on what, like before, as they're signing up, um, what they might want to do a capstone on, and then we'll create one, and then they'll go do it at the end. So, um, and last, they do this as a group, as all a together. group, yeah. Okay. And so, and we're doing it that way now because the very last cohort would take too much time at the beginning of the court, at the beginning of each class, to try to figure out what they were doing. And so we said, now, as of now, we're just going to tell you what that will be. Now that we're creating, I guess I should just go into what's happening now too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're now creating subcommittees. Um, for the sustainability ambassador leadership um, program, because that, that's the beauty of this program. I'll say that you all have created is that every time I see and an, someone who's gone through the program, it's always like, how can I stay involved? Or what, how do I get connected? Or how can I, what can I do? Anything you want to do? And I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I don't know, you know? And so because, because you've all come to the program with your, your interests already, whether you like energy or you like water conservation, or you like urban ag, or you like recycling, we're now creating uh, four subcommittees that uh, every ambassador is invited to come back and participate in um, or join as you go through the program. So like I said, there's now an energy subcommittee. Um, there is an urban ag subcommittee, a recycling subcommittee, and a green infrastructure or water subcommittee. Oh, awesome. Yeah, there will be a launch party on March 8th, which is the very last date of this current cohort. So they'll, they'll also be graduating. But now, like I said, we're inviting all the past ambassadors and about 170 of you now. Wow. To come back and, you know, continue the work that you're so passionate about. Because that's exactly. it. Every time I see someone, you're all passionate. And it's like... Okay, we need to figure out ways for you guys to continue to do work out in the community exactly. and advocate for policy change or whatever it is you might want to advocate for. So one of the things we did um, on the last day of my cohort is yeah. we made that face private Facebook group. Right. And I still see people like join in every now and then. Yeah. Um, those can can be, if people are on Facebook, a, a way to engage folks. But then there's also a lot of people, especially younger, that choose not to be on there for privacy or whatever, right. or it's not cool, you know, right. for, for old people <laughs> hang out on there. Um, so I love the idea of, you know, the direct engagement, the committees, and it's a great way to leverage that because you are educating people, connecting them and creating that. So, you know, bring it back in and help it eventually maybe do educate on policy or inform you guys of what's happening, you know, in the neighborhoods? Yes. And so one class that's been added now is that, um, um, it's like a a date with an organizer. It was supposed to be a policy leader, but I couldn't really wrangle one in. And so now it's just kind of going to be like an organizer, someone that lobbies at Capitol actually, he did the last cohort and he'll do this one. And it's just showing you all how to be more engaged and how to, what you can get out of your elected or how you should approach your elected officials to get more of what a community might want. Exactly. Well, that that's huge because I know that I, I just started lobbying for the first time ever as a private citizen um, in 2018. And my first experience was actually with my trade organization, the Realtor Association here in Georgia. And uh, there was a lot that happened in 2018, both from, you know, inclusivity and then uh, sustainability that got me very involved. But 
one of the really cool things that you learn really fast is that very few citizens are engaged in that process and talk to their lawmakers and you have the the biggest voice most of the voices they hear are paid lobbyists for trade organizations rather than voters constituents exactly so whether it's city hall whether it's you know a state legislator or senator or even if you go to dc and do it up there you know there's immense power in in talking to those people um i think there's a lot to learn which so i'm glad that you are showing people how to do it because i see so much that it's either fear you know scared to do it oh they don't have time for me um um, not knowing how to do it but then there's also presentation skills because i mean these people you need to be cordial even if they're on the opposite side right Right. you still need to make your case and not come across as like a hostile right um and i feel like it's giving your democracy back to giving democracy back to people that have voted for elected officials because i think we don't realize that you voted for these people now go hold them accountable for what you want done or why you even voted for them exactly i think a lot of people don't realize that it is about showing up to city hall i mean I didn't know that until maybe like five years ago, because even before in California, I was part of groups that showed up to City Hall and started demanding things. And I maybe did that two years before I moved here. So I think there's a way that people don't realize they vote and then they have to just kind of hold their elected officials accountable. And because we're working on climate change and sustainability, to me, this is like such a big topic. I want more people to feel engaged and to kind of go down and kind of demand when well, so action. many leaders too they need the information like yeah. uh, you know they don't know everything they're not, they're right. not an expert on, on everything and what they are is they really listen to this to both sides listen to the information and make at that point an informed decision at least that's what's supposed to happen right. they're not all that way but i found that a lot of them are and so the thing is if you know a lot about a certain topic or are passionate about it you know they they will want to talk to you yeah. um and you can provide that input because if we're not we can't really blame them for not sharing our our experience right. our point of view um, i think sometimes we think that with social media now everything's just out there so politicians know everything but right. i think most of them actually get that twitter and and all of that is not the voters right. for the most part but that one-on-one facetime is huge. huge so i love that you guys added that so have you with that do y'all actually like go do like a mock uh lobby like talking to somebody at city hall no I will jot that down. (laughs) That's an idea. Yeah. Well, I just love it because one of the things I did after my class is that, so, you know, we started a sustainability committee at Atlanta Realtor Association at the same time that the first class was going on in 2018 that I did with you guys. And um, we had several members of our committee later that year work with Solarize Atlanta. And Solarize Atlanta had a lobby day at City Hall to pass, uh, you know, a resolution for a a Solarize Atlanta day and to really engage in that effort. And so um, I ended up being one of the leaders. We got split into three groups and I got, I was one leader and then um, there were several other of us realtors there, plus, you know, people from all the Solarize Atlanta organizations. And we had several of our um, sustainability ambassadors in the program. So things like that can be a lot of fun if you have the time and you're able to do it, but also just kind of eye-opening. So I think it sounds like, cause I, I've actually happened to run across, I think it might be Cobb County. They actually have an ambassador program on just how to talk to your elected official. Oh, wow. I mean like a whole program called how to talk to your official, like as a eight week program or something like that. Oh, wow. So it's funny. A lot of this work I do, I always say like, I wonder how much of this I can say or whatever. Cause I'm saying I'm, I'm trying to lead you to elected officials, you know, cause I work in that body. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm, it's funny now that I see that there's this Cobb, this Cobb County one, pretty 
<laughs> there's this Cobb County one. I probably can take my lead from that and try to figure out how to get you guys engaged. Yes, yeah, because I think that's the goal. I think we need to have that door. It needs it. They need to. I need to lead people to the door. Well, and yeah. so a great example too of that is so at Atlanta Realtors we have our own leadership program called yeah. Emerging Leaders, and ideally, I think in its simplest form and what maybe the original uh, people were assuming what it would be is really about bringing up the next generation of leaders to keep our leadership pipeline full within our organization. But the truth is, is as we're growing, it's not just only to be leaders within our organization. It's also to be, you know, leaders of your HOA, leaders in your community, maybe yeah. be elected officials um, and to be, you know, and to tie that again, the realtor uh, perspective and, and what we are focused on into some of these other positions. So, again, it's it's really exciting because, like you said, so many people were in silos for so long yeah. and then we weren't getting anything done. And now it's you getting more of this thing of real people realizing you have to get out of the silo, out of the bubble and work with all these other groups. And so you're getting more information and engagement, I think, and all kinds of things. Um, so let's talk a little bit, because we haven't really talked about like waste aversion. Okay. And obviously that that was a big part of you coming into um, sustainability and yeah. ultimately Atlanta. So um, waste aversion is, you know, recycling, obviously. It's not using, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, things like composting. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge fan of composting myself. Great. I actually learned about compost now uh, as a result of stuff we did in 2018. Yeah. And I'm a longtime customer. So well, we can talk about them, too. Great, yeah. So we, well, let's, let's talk about um, waste aversion and your work in that, your thoughts on that. Well, when I came to the city of Atlanta, I knew um, to be hired as a recycling coordinator, I knew for me that wasn't going to be just working on bottles and cans. And so there's a way that I immediately kind of started working on like a food waste reduction campaign on, on the, uh, the Facebook page. Just a little bit, just a little bit. But then um, fortunately, like a year later, we were able to get a grant through NRDC uh, that was partnered with the Rockefeller Foundation that allowed Atlanta to um, work with NRDC to calculate our food waste in the region. Um, and so we learned just how much food we're wasting. And so what it spurred right after that is that I knew that I was going to be able to start working on the hierarchy because as a recycling coordinator, that means I just work on composting. That is the recycling of, of food waste or organic waste. But working on this, uh, per, this um, I guess, study with NRDC meant you're going to have to finally start to figure out how to reduce food waste and recover food waste, like meaning like um, feed people because mm -hmm. that was their goal. I was like, oh, my God, this this is exciting because I've even though we know the hierarchy, reduce, reuse, recycle, we just work on recycling, you know, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I just knew this was going to expand uh, my work. And so. Um, Probably about a year ago, I started creating a, a food waste challenge for restaurants. And is that um, in city of Atlanta? City of Atlanta, and um, just some results um, over three months. No, September, October, November, we got six restaurants at the airport to participate, and they saved twenty one thousand meals that went to feed people. Oh wow! And so in Atlanta, we have um, uh, eighteen percent of our population is food insecure. And that equates to about 14 million meals a year. And so um, anyway, after this challenge with the restaurants, we're just about to institutionalize it where um, the name, the branding is changing to match in RDC's Food Matters. And uh, we're going to get some some uh, 
hotel stats and kind of just more sector stats. I'm also doing another restaurant challenge that we've gotten some money to do some uh, table tents and Mm -hmm. and restaurants that kind of educate the population on why food waste is important and why it matters. Because even though I'm starting with with commercial, the real people wasting food is just at home. I was about to ask you that. So where is the bigger... Um, who's wasting more? Is it yeah. business and hotel and restaurants or is it households? It is households. And so that's why the next piece of the restaurant challenge is now the reduction piece. Cause you've got, to, you've got to actually start to educate society. So, um, we've gotten some money to create some table tents. I always look for my notes and stuff, but <laughs> to create some table tents, uh, that will go up on tables that say why food, uh, is important. Um, even to go sticker uh, stickers that will say just a little information about reducing food waste. Every restaurant will get a decal that says we're particip- participating in this food waste challenge. There will be receipt tabs. So as soon as they staple your receipt on your to-go bag, there will be a tab that says about food waste and ways oh, you can it. reduce. Because the truth is, like, I mean, you've got, that's that hierarchy. You've got to figure out how to reduce, recover is the, reuse is the recovery to feeding people, and then recycling is the composting. So let's talk a little bit so, about, you know, food waste and yeah. food that it just literally goes in the trash yeah. or and or composting. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a huge issue. Can you do you know the numbers like percentage of total food or you know weight or something like that 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 goes to waste that is never consumed? Sure. So about forty percent of the food that we um, grow goes to landfill, and so that's that's food that we're just kind of grow, growing, putting twenty one percent of the nation's uh, annual water usage, 10% of the nation's um, annual energy usage goes into food that we grow just to transport and then throw into the trash. Wow. And, um, and I don't think that's the picture people get. They just yeah. think, oh, I just threw that that piece of meat or that those vegetables away. But it's like that was all resources that right. literally went to nothing. So to nothing. it's not. And I think you hear like scarcity and you think that that there's food shortages or something like that, but there's immense waste. And I think that's, it's a little bit of the American way, right? right. We have a, so much abundance that things at times are not valued or appreciated. Right. Oh yeah. And it's just so easy to sort of, Oh, well that was just a small yeah. amount of money, but it adds up. It Do you know up. kind of like the dollar amount that you, sure. it, it affects households? Yeah, by? sure. Well, um, um, each household is wasting about $1,500 a year on wow. food that they just buy. And then what could away? you do with $1,500? Okay, right. Okay. That's, that's, a nice that's a second tax return yes <laughs> you know and so it's just really it's just it's an an a exorbitant problem right and so um if we were able to capture all the edible food that's out there and actually repurpose it and feed people we could feed every hungry person four times wow. that's how much food we're wasting and then so look at the toll the social impact of people that are hungry and then look at the environmental impact of like the the, the resources that goes into creating all this food and then once it goes to the landfill another environmental impact um food waste uh decomposing in landfills um if it were the size of a country the the amount of methane it's emitting would be second to um, right after U.S. China, U.S. and China, actually. So food waste decomposing in landfills is a big emitter of methane and methane is way more potent than carbon dioxide. So it is it is a accelerator of climate change and we don't talk about it. It's I'm always I'm always mystified that this isn't like some front and center thing we're working on because. Because I always say it, like, of course, I love solar and stuff, but renewable energy, I believe, is something like 55% of the solution. And then the other um, the other part of how we're going to get out of climate um, 
or mitigate climate change is we've got to start working on uh, land and waste and what we do with the product, what we're, yes. what we're extracting out of the planet to make the stuff we use and throw away. Exactly. And that includes food. And I think it's by yeah. having this diverse conversation yeah. and all different people talking about it because yeah. it is true. And, and we even talk about this in real estate. Like when we talk about a, like you see my board up there where I have my notes for this new website I'm making. Yeah. Um, energy efficiency is always the place to start. Reduce yeah. what you're using. Yes. It can be just the same as food, food. right? You're, yeah. It's some consumption that reduce that first and then you can um, have a greater impact with more sustainable practices, right. whether it's renewable energy right. or you know um, uh, regenerative farming type right. stuff. It really is always kind of at least a two-sided approach. And I, I think the conversation comes down a little bit to one bandwidth. Um, right. Two, I think that people get very overwhelmed and shut down when they're like, what do you mean I have to drive a different kind of car? And all, <laughs> they think about all these extremes, right? right? And, and the media doesn't help at times. Right. But... Um, it, it, it's awesome. I would so I like to kind of break it down for people a little bit and offer simple ways to start because usually that's how it is. If people feel that they can start somewhere, then they start, they explore that, and then usually it kind of spreads and they're like, "Hey, I want to try one more thing." And if we make it sort of like that, the best way to eat an elephant is to one bite at a time <laughs> type problem, then it's more likely to get done than to say, you know, so, some of these uh, conversations that go where it's like an absolute thing. You know, you you know, you just got to do it all at once or it's right. worthless. Yeah. And it's like progress <laughs> happens one small piece at a time. So if, if somebody were to reduce food waste, what are some of the simplest ways to do that? I think starting with knowing how fruits and veggies act together, the simplest thing, like that was the little uh, quick campaign I was doing when I first started here online. And there'll be some stuff um, on a website pretty soon that I'm going to be uploading that kind of stuff. But it's basically just, it's a fruit guide A to Z. It shows you how fruits and veggies play things. I never knew like how like um, bananas off gas and shouldn't be near, near um, apples. Cause it'll start to put, make the apples go. Uh, and people just mix holes. it all in their fruit yeah, bowl. Right. I think I recently last year heard about onions and potatoes. Yeah. Right. I think there's something with them as well. I see that. I don't know. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and I used to always have my bag of potatoes yeah. and my bag of onions, like in the pantry together. Right. And then one of them, it was usually the potatoes would yeah. go first. It's neat. But it's neat stuff like that. Like you're like, Oh my God, I just need to cut asparagus and yeah, leave it better in the fridge. Storage. Yeah. And, Make it feel like flowers. They like to be in a cup of water, you know? Exactly. And it's also just about knowing what you need. I mean, it's because that's the reduction piece. That's the, that's the simple piece. You've, you've got to figure out, like, you've got to really just start to look at what you're buying and, and not overbuy. Maybe go to the market once a week and not every two weeks and buy so much food. And yeah. personally, I probably go two or three times a week. That's how much food I don't waste because I'm like, I just get what I need right now and I eat that. I, I'm kind of somewhere, <laughs> I'm especially that way with my fresh yeah. items you know yeah I, we're not vegan so we oh, do yeah. eat meat but i usually yeah. do that costco run and yeah. we just kind of stock up for a while and it's frozen so that's good but right. on uh, for the for the veggies and the, the veggies, fresh stuff yeah. it's usually again two or three times yeah. a week to Perfect. stock up so things yeah. don't go bad so things don't go bad yeah and if you do have things that go bad obviously so one of the things i, I don't think a lot of people understand is there they don't get the difference between composting and then landfill why would food breaking down in in what seems like it would be the same scenario one produces methane and the other really doesn't so can you explain why food in a landfill produces uh, methane and that composting is a better alternative sure um when anything organic uh that was once living so whether that's food tree trimmings you or me <laughs> anything that once breathed once that goes into a landfill landfills are, are um they're covered they're like airtight and so once that breakdown process starts to happen 
The bacteria that are breaking down organic waste are called anaerobes, and they actually survive without oxygen. They are in there breaking down stuff without oxygen, and then the byproduct or what they create in that that process is methane. But composting, when you actually just put that back outside, that's an that's an aerobic or an or, or an aerated process, so that methane isn't happening. And that's that's really that's that's the only difference is that food in the landfill creates creates methane because there's no oxygen. Food outside in a compost bin is not going to create methane because it, there's because there is oxygen. Perfect. Yeah, and then the other benefit yeah. too is that you know whether it's industrial or whether it's your backyard, then you create some nutrient rich. Mass or compost right. that can then be used, you know, back to the soil. Back so, like soil. with compost now, it's a curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been using it since December of 2018. I was actually going to pull my my stats up real quick, right. but <laughs> one of the really cool things about that is that they give you access the to your compost. Board. So, yeah. I will tell you, realtors, if you're listening, I have quite a few clients that love the free compost that I yeah. give because I get I don't have space to garden here, so I will end up, um, you know, offering it to friends and past clients that are into gardening and they love it it comes 25 pound bags at a time and you know it's an extra little bonus to help but uh the other option is if you don't want to do any of that you can donate it to a community garden locally so that helps you know people that are in um you know local gardens or whatnot that need it so real quick so my some stats of ours so since december of 2018 so it's maybe 15 months ago Um, We have uh, diverted 778 pounds of food scraps. Um, And let's see, those scraps will produce 389 pounds of rich compost uh, and avoid releasing 101 pounds of methane. Um, And they give you some kind of like little equivalent. So that's enough to offset 4,400 miles driven by a car or like parking it for three and a half months. And uh, this is always a weird one, I think. Even better, your compost can grow 78 tomato plants yielding 390 delicious tomatoes. I'm like, (laughs) that's just a weird metric. But um, anyway, so at the moment, I'm trying to see, I have, wow, I have 269 pounds of compost ready to either (laughs) be given away. So I need to be giving away some compost. That's great. Spreading that soil. Yeah, find you a community garden you love. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So do you use compost now? I do not. I uh, manage a compost pile out at the Browns Mill Food Forest, so awesome. I take all my compost there. <laughs> well, you have that that resource. Yeah. Awesome. So the so I'm up here in North DeKalb, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people. Like I see people that have like the little signs in their front yard to advertise it, um, and uh, I see the, the little van that goes around. Our and the one thing that's interesting, just on a side note, is that um, our our pickup day is Thursday. And that day does not change. So, you know, like your trash, you know, you have a, a holiday, like in a Monday is off and right. you're like, oh crap, my, my trash is a day late this right. week. They are never late. They even come on they like on the Christmas holiday. And yes. everything? Yes. Oh, wow. They tell you to leave it out a little extra early, which I'm like, wow, those people are working Christmas too. But, but it's, it, I do like that. But yeah. the biggest thing for us is if you're not vegan or vegetarian, um, is, you know, meat, you know, if, even if you do your own compost bin, yeah. you're not going to put meat and bones in it in your backyard. That's right. going to attract rodents right. and just be smelly. So I love that it gives you a way to, um, to discard of meat scraps yeah. and bones and bones shells and, and stuff like that. Um, exactly. Well, and then the thing I kind of geek out about and really could probably help with water as well is fats and oils, right? So, you know, Instapot is a huge thing and we actually just made a roast last night in it. You can pour that, the, you know, the fat and the broth that's left over instead of, unfortunately, so many people pour it down the drain and then you get the clogs, yeah. which 
cause all kinds of stuff, or even whether it's in the sewer or your home, but you can pour that in the compost bin because it can okay. take fats and oils. Yeah, so good. it's beyond it's just all those other benefits. Yeah. It's like, I, no, I don't have to think about fats and oils down my drain or storing it in a bin somewhere. Um, so anyway, so that's just right. been things that I, I've learned by having it that yeah. kind of make yeah, it's keeping great. it cleaner. And I it does not smell. Yeah. I, I was actually Airtight really worried, bin. especially with meats, that it would smell over the course of a week. And I do know some other people that have it, that they keep all their scraps in the freezer and then put them in the bin at the end of the week because right. they've been afraid of the smell. But there's a lid, it's contained, and the there's like a, a fragrance liner, which I think is absorbing a lot of the odors. Oh, yeah. But I've never had an issue with it. And we just we just pile it up all week long. Yeah. And it, you know on Thursday morning, we put it out at the curb. So... That was my biggest concern. In fact, my husband was sort of very against it at first because he's like, that's going to smell. And it's so funny because you tell people, it's like, well, you have a trash can. It's the mm-hmm. food's in there, <laughs> you know. But I'm, I'm sure I, I'm, they're, they're concerned about like the um, the smell because there isn't some kind of, uh, I guess, cloth or um, yeah, paper what, towel that's So it's interesting that, because, you know, back in, you know, when we had trash yeah. is if we cooked a meat product and you have the package you throw out. You would have to throw that out within 24 hours or there would be a smell, right? And so I was when we did that, I would have to be using more bags, not only not because it was necessarily full, but because it was odorous. And it's okay. like you don't want that in your house. But now we're able to have just one bag a week because yeah. there's nothing smelly going right. in there right. and exactly. turning bad really yeah. quick. All of that smelly stuff goes in the compost goes in the little air doesn't smell the same yeah Yeah. so it's just it's just all these like weird benefits that until you get in there it's like oh it's actually very yeah very doable so um i i was gonna say there's some stuff with maybe the airport Uh that is doing you know stuff with composting and whatnot are you aware of any of that they're doing stuff with uh food recovery where their feet they're recovering food to feed people they're not doing anything with composting yet okay yeah so is, is there a plan, like let's say like I go to the airport and I buy a meal and then there's some scraps left over. And I think they're also, they've ba- they have will be banning single-use plastics yeah. at the airport. So obviously that'll be compostable products mm-hmm. that replace it. So will there be, at, I guess, at that same time compostable? I'm sure it's coming. Things? It's got to okay. be coming because I think I've used some stuff that's, I've been there and been at a concessionaire and had compostable uh, single-use serviceware. Yeah. So, But I don't think they're composting yet, but it's coming. Okay. It is definitely coming. So, you know, that's an interesting topic, yeah. too, because obviously you guys, uh, City of Atlanta, not you, but, you know, City of Atlanta, back in the fall, maybe November or something, passed the, uh, it was at city-owned property. So it wasn't just the city, but, it's, you know, government-owned properties, including the airport, mm-hmm. uh, put a ban on single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the uproar that happened on social media, and all these people were like, you know, travelers aren't going to be able to eat and all this kind of like apocalyptic what? stuff. You're kidding. No. no. <laughs> I didn't see any you of didn't, that. Oh, I I've saw it like, oh all God, over. So in I fact, to be honest, oh it was God. one of the pushes where I, in fact, I made a comment that day. I was like, thankfully, I finally bought my podcast equipment. And I'm going to start it soon so we can talk about this because people assume that banning plastics means there's no alternative right. or it's some, if there is an alternative, it's like crappy. Right. right. It's going to leak on them. Exactly. Yeah. And and the, the, one of the great things about compost now is if you want to be a home or a business that does go completely compostable, they sell those products from plates and yeah. cups and, mm-hmm. and you know, f- single-use mm-hmm. flatware that are compostable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's greenwashing. So there are some products out on the market you can buy that say they're compostable, compostable or biodegradable, yeah. but not really. Right. 
Um, but if you, you can buy that complete solution from compost now, but it, it's just, it's interesting. It's again, one of those things of people here change. That's it. And they're like, our way of life oh is my over. God. There's yeah, no solution. Right. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I can't use a plastic fork. Right. Exactly. I don't think that or, we're or going to straw. Take... Exactly. You know? <laughs> I don't think we're going to make it where, you know, people can't eat at the airport. No, definitely not. Yeah. That like would that. not be it. <laughs> so when is that going into effect or has it already gone into effect? the end of this year? Okay. Yeah. So that'll be very exciting to see in practice. We'll have to do some video or something yeah. and like, you know, just go and show it and, and, and do some stuff. So hopefully y'all, y'all do something there, but of course it'll also be great exposure for, because we're the busiest airport in the world. Right. So whether you're from Atlanta and you go and you see that, hey, I can still eat here, or people <laughs> traveling through, they'll, they'll be like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. This is possible. And that's sort of the awareness that happens right. too. And I'm sure a lot of the stuff is happening on the West Coast. And so I always say what what the West Coast does goes the rest of the nation, hopefully. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm that's why I'm shocked that there is such an uproar because I thought single-use plastics have been being beaten up on for such a while now that I thought people were like, oh, great, new solutions. Not, not the concessionaires will close down and if you're delayed flight, if you're having a delayed flight, you can't eat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely grown, <laughs> yeah. but there's still a lot of people that, again, they're not in the space and they just can't imagine. It's like with electric vehicles. Yeah. I mean, people, it's a totally different way of living. Yeah. It's very doable and it, it does not have all these pitfalls people think, but they just can't imagine not going to a gas station. So right. it's like, wait, you don't go to a gas station, then what do you do? Right. You know, so for some people, it's just simply that. So you have to kind of show them that that alternative. Yeah. Um, so it's kind yeah. of interesting. We're, we're an interesting bunch yeah <laughs> well we do fear you know yeah, this podcast i'm sure i've what got some fun? things you're like oh my god change you know and then exactly. you're like oh this is great exactly <laughs> it's much better so sustainability ambassadors you're you're ending the sixth program right now they graduate yeah. soon um you will be starting will you be doing a seventh program Absolutely. in the fall okay oh, yeah. so if people wanted to apply for that do you know what time what time roughly it, that would it open? It goes out at the end of July. The the call for registrants, and then the program always starts like uh, right after Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. And so the first several iterations, I always made sure that we had a very like sustainability minded realtor in the program. So you know, I was in number one. Cindy was in in the yeah. third one, the the second adult program. Um, Shonda was in. I think she was in the next one after that. Um, I've kind of stepped out of like tapping those people since then. Have we had some other realtors in the meantime? Not that I've noticed then. Okay. Yeah. I haven't had We'll work on getting up. some yeah, more get people some more in people. there. So I will um, share your link. I do every time that you have a new cohort. I always share that out. And I will talk to some realtors and make sure we get somebody involved in there. Because you do have one of your days is about energy use and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. um, well, as we wrap up, anything else you wanted to share that I miss? Not that I can think of. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're just going to yeah. keep doing this, pumping out that okay. content, that education, yeah. working as the sustainability advisors. You know, I think it was episode number three or something. I had uh, Gustavo on. So That's Gustavo right. was the previous. He was in the very last cohort. Yeah. Yes. So. And now he's uh, running the, with Suzanne Harther, running up the energy subcommittee. Oh. So so cool. I'm so excited to see what they create. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in contact with you or the Mayor's Office of Resilience, what are some good social media channels? Uh, well, we do have a Instagram page, and that's ATL Resilience. Um, we have a Facebook page, and you can find us at 
City of Atlanta Mayor's Office of Resilience. And if you want to know anything uh, more about the Sustainability Ambassador Program, just email me, I guess. It's um, in for Natasha, then Dyer, D-Y-E-R, at atlantaga.gov. It's a fun program. Since since you've been there, we actually do a lot of rotating. So, like, the classes aren't just at MLK, how they were just mm-hmm. in one place. So each class is now somewhere at where the topic is at. So energy just was at just was just at Candida. That is an awesome week. building. So yeah, we just rotate where things are. Well, and I can give a huge endorsement to the yeah, program. I mean, yeah. you're going to meet other folks and really expand your knowledge, yeah. your network, yeah. and just meet people that you'll see out in the community doing Absolutely. other programs. So, well, thank you so much for coming on yeah, and talking about me. this important topic. Yeah. So much more for us to discuss. And podcast, we will catch you next week. <laughs>